Hello, welcome back to the Lioness Podcast. I am your host, Olaya Land. I am a pleasure and empowerment coach. I am here to help you navigate dating, sex, and relationships from a place of deep self-love. I am ethically non-monogamous, sex positive, kink positive. I believe all bodies are good bodies, and it is my mission to help women feel sexually and emotionally empowered so they can bring that power out into the world. So on today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. So I have been asking y'all to share your questions with me over on Instagram and here on the podcast about sex, love, dating, relationships, body love, and y'all have sent in some really great questions. Thank you for that. And my original plan was to spend a few minutes at the top of each episode answering those questions. Um, But I have received so many questions on one theme that I decided it needed to be its own episode. So this week we are talking about how to get your sexy back, how to start feeling sexy again, how to get interested in sex if you've lost touch with that part of yourself. So it seems like a lot of you are dealing with this, got a lot of questions around this topic. So I wanted to share some thoughts. I wanted to share some advice. I wanted to share some research. I wanted to share some practices that you can try to get back in touch with your sexual self. But before we get into it, I just want to say I am loving all the questions you're sending in. Please keep them coming. You can DM me on Instagram. You can shoot me an email through the website. And I have also created a link where you can submit your questions anonymously, and I will put links to all of those in the show notes. And also before we dive in... I just want to take a minute to say thank you for being part of this community and listening to the podcast. It means so, so much to me. So if you found it valuable, if you've learned something new, if you've benefited in some way from listening, if you'd like to support the show, please consider sharing it with a friend who you think would be into it. Or of course, you can rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Sharing the podcast is one of the best ways to support my work, and I am always so, so grateful for your support. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So like I said, I put out a call on Instagram and here on the podcast for questions, and honestly, I was a little surprised at how many questions came in on this one topic, but also it's awesome because I thought, okay, we need to talk about this. People are struggling with this. This is something that people could use some support around. So that's why I'm making today's episode all about this one topic of how to feel sexy, how to be interested in sex if you've lost touch with that part of yourself, how to get your sexy back. So I wanted to share just a couple of the questions that I received that kind of encapsulated the tone of the questions I've been getting on this. So the first one is, do you have any advice on finding time and desire for sex while postpartuming with a three-year-old? A lot of questions around feeling sexy with young children in the home. And then another question that I thought was kind of emblematic of the the questions I received was, do you have any practices or ideas for reconnecting with or discovering one sense of sexy after a two-year-long life season of parenting, pandemic and partner navigating, and coming out of depression. Also, I turned 40 during these last two years. Sadly, I think I put my sexy in the freezer, and now it's disappeared amongst the ice cubes and the frozen peas. I want to find it. (laughs) I want to help you find it. (laughs) We got to get that sexy out of the freezer, all right? I feel like a lot of people put their sexy in the freezer during this past season, this past season of life, this pandemic season, and it's time to thaw that sexy out, okay? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I see a couple of approaches. I want to talk about a kind of a top-down and a bottom-up approach. So I want to talk both about 
the mind piece, the brain piece. And I want to talk about the body piece because sex obviously involves being in your body, feeling pleasure in your body, getting turned on within your body. So I want to talk about that as well. So I'm going to kind of divide this in two. So the first part I want to talk about is the mind piece, the brain piece. And some of these questions called out, or I I kind of got the impression that in the subtext was the fact that people are depressed. And that is, (laughs) I mean, that is a fact. Like we've just come out of, I think one of the toughest periods that many of us have lived through. A lot of those repercussions are still going on. And so I think it's normal for a lot of us to not be feeling as dynamic, as amazing, as wonderful as we could be. So if you are suffering from depression, I highly urge you to take care of that first, to get the help of a medical professional, either a doctor or a therapist, because it's a lot easier. It's going to be a lot easier to deal with everything else, the body piece, some of the other mind things that we're going to deal with. If you don't have a cloud of depression hanging over you as someone who has suffered from depression, I know that when you're in that cloud, just everything becomes like 10 times harder, everything from doing the dishes to doing your job, to taking care of your life responsibilities, and certainly to sex. And I also know that when you're depressed, that can often get pushed way to the back burner. (laughs) So I really, really encourage you to, if you're feeling depressed, to deal with that first. And I want to call out, I think it would be, I think it's really helpful to look for a sex positive doctor and or therapist deciding, depending on who you decide to see. I think if you find a sex positive professional, they're more likely to navigate you towards treatments that won't interfere with your sexual functioning. They're more likely to understand how important sexual functioning is for overall well-being, which I, from my own personal experience, I know that some doctors don't always take that into consideration, this kind of holistic picture of our of our well-being. So I think finding, just in general also, I think it's great and important for sexual health to find doctors and therapists who are sex positive. For therapists, I think it can be useful to search for terms like LGBTQ, um, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, sex therapists, even if you're not queer or non-monogamous or necessarily seeking sex therapy. I think just searching for those terms can be a way to find a therapist who is more sex positive. And I also want to call out that there are lots of ways to deal with depression. There are so many ways. Everything from antidepressants to different kinds of talk therapy to more embodied therapy modalities like EMDR. So sometimes I think when we think about depression and getting help, we think that maybe our doctor or therapist is just immediately going to put us on antidepressants. And sometimes we need antidepressants. Sometimes if that's the thing that you need to get you out of the hole, that's what you need. And some, some people just need to be on antidepressants indefinitely to feel good. And that's fine. There's no shame in that. But also there are other forms of therapy because it's true that many of the SSRIs, not all of them and not for everyone, um, but many of the SSRIs can interfere with sexual functioning. So I just want to call out that it's not necessarily going to be the case for you. Some people have that on one form of antidepressant and not another. There are new generations of antidepressants that are less likely to interfere with sexual functioning. And there are different methods of treating depression that avoid antidepressants altogether. So I just want to call it that there's many ways to treat depression. And also that there is no shame in struggling with depression. So many of us suffer from depression. You're not alone. Depression is treatable. If you're suffering from depression, talk to your doctor, talk to a therapist. There are ways to treat depression. Please, please, please care for yourself and go find one of those ways so you can start feeling better. Okay. 
Another piece of the mind part of reconnecting with your sexy self that I think is important is to really focus on reconnecting with your sexy for you. Not for society, not because you quote unquote should or your partner wants you to, but for you. Because those other reasons, they're not true motivation. Like that motivation peters out. Anything that we don't really want to do for ourselves, we find ways of not doing it often. And a lot of the people who wrote to me, it sounds like they do. Sounds like y'all do want to reconnect with that part of sexy for yourself. But I'm calling this out because I think it's important. It's not something that's really talked about. And I do think there's this unrealistic notion that um, that our libido should stay the same in every period of our lives and that it should be at high, as high in the beginning of our relationship with someone as it is 10 or 20 years in, which absolutely is not realistic. Also, we have seasons to our lives where we feel less sexual. So for example, if you've just had a baby or you have small children in the house or you have a lot of work stress or you have had a stressful event in your life or you're grieving something, it's very normal to feel less sexual in those periods. The fact that you're not feeling sexy or in touch with your sexual self in and of itself is not problematic. If that's not something that you're craving or if this is a season where that doesn't make sense for you. So I just invite you to be really intentional and to spend some time thinking about why you want to reconnect with this part of yourself and if this is a desire that really comes from you. And it might even be helpful to make a list of the reasons you want to feel sexual again. Like, why do you want that for you? And there, there's tons of reasons. It could be just because you want to reconnect with that physical pleasure, either of sex or just physical touch. Um, it could be that having sex makes you feel powerful or energized, or it makes you feel deeply connected to your body and really in your body. Or maybe sex for you is about creating a connection with your partner, a deep connection with your partner. Sex can be healing. Sex can be cathartic. Maybe you just miss that sexual part of yourself. You're just a sexual person and it just something just feels off for that part of you to be missing. And also sex is fun. <laughs> sex can be really fun. So maybe you just want that fun sexual energy. So it can be useful to like make a list of all the reasons that you want to reconnect with that energy for you as motivation as you're going through the process of getting your sexy back. The third thing that you can do in this kind of mind arena, this mind piece of getting back in touch with your sexual self is to understand that feeling sexy starts with you. <laughs> this is a message that we do not get often enough, if at all. So feeling sexy does not start with toys. It does not start with sexy lingerie. It does not start with furry handcuffs. It doesn't even start with your partner doing X, Y, or Z thing, even though all of those things can be nice. <laughs> um, feeling sexual, getting in touch with your turn on, getting in touch with pleasure, all of that starts with you, within you. One thing that we're not taught is that we are each responsible for our own turn on and our own pleasure, which doesn't mean that we can't share that with someone else, which doesn't mean that it can't be heightened with someone else, but that at the core, we are responsible of taking care of our own pleasure and our own turn on and our own sexual satisfaction. So like, I know I wasn't taught that. <laughs> I kind of grew up waiting for this like Prince Charming to like ride into my life and to touch me in exactly the ways I wanted to be touched, even though I didn't even know what those ways were for the longest time. And to be able to always get me turned on without fail and to give me mind-blowing orgasms and to basically be my sexual savior. I had this idea that like good sex 
came when you like met the right person and they magically like did all the things to like make all the fireworks happen. <laughs> Which is a little bit embarrassing in retrospect. But honestly, I have so much compassion for that version of me because that's what I was taught. That's what I saw all around me in movies and stories and when I was growing up. Like nobody talked to me about like being in in charge of my own turn on, being in charge of my own pleasure, owning my pleasure being in my body, like learning how to grow those sensations within myself. Like that just was not even in the conversation. (laughs) So I think it's really important to internalize the notion that we are each in charge of our own sexual pleasure. We are each responsible for our own sexual pleasure. That is nobody else's job. We can share that with somebody else. We can bring that together with somebody else. Magical things can happen when we do that. But at the heart of it, we are each responsible for our own sexual pleasure. It is our job to safeguard that, grow that, kind of stoke that fire, keep the light burning, experiment, grow, all of that is our job to do. I think that's a really good mindset to have as you go into this work of reconnecting with your sexual self. The fourth piece, and maybe the most important piece of this mind part of getting your sexy back, is creating some space to connect with yourself. It is so, so hard to feel sexy when you're being pulled in a thousand different directions and life feels super chaotic and overwhelming, okay? And that is the tone that a lot of the questions I received kind of had. That was kind of the subtext is like small kids or work pressure or pandemic life or this or that. I have the sense that people are feeling overwhelmed. I know that people are feeling overwhelmed from my clients, from my friends, just from the general atmosphere of the world, like Not only are we living in an age when overwhelm is kind of the status quo, the past three years of living through the pandemic and all of the attendant financial and political and whatever upheaval, it's been stressful. It's been overwhelming. It's been hard. And when we're in that state of overwhelm, basically a state of low or high level stress, it can be very hard to feel turn on, not for everyone, but for many people. So I want to take a minute here to talk about the dual control model of arousal. And this is something I learned about from Emily Nagoski, who is a fantastic sex educator. If you don't know her, y'all, you need to check out her work. She has an amazing book called Come As You Are. She has a great Instagram account. She just started a podcast and she's a researcher. I don't know what university she's at, but she just delivers information in like a direct, fun, informative friendly way. She just has a really good way of like delivering information. I have learned so much from her. I will put links for all of that, her book, her IG, her podcast in the show notes. Definitely check her out. So anyway, I learned about the dual control model of arousal from her. And the dual control model basically says we each have a sexual accelerator and sex and a sexual break. So the accelerator is the factors that lead to turn on desire or arousal. So these can be thoughts, these can be things you see, things you smell, feel, hear, taste, etc. So it can be thoughts like, mm, like my lover like looks so sexy today, or it can be a smell, like I love smell, I'm like so into scent. So like if somebody smells amazing, like that's very sexy to me. Or it can be touch, it can be like the feel of like your partner's hand on the small of your back or whatever. There, there's so many things that can be accelerators and all of us have different accelerators. And then we also have breaks. So the breaks are the things that result in turn off. So these also can be thoughts. Um, Oh my gosh, like I have so much work to do around the house. It's a mess. Or my boss needs this report by tomorrow. I'm so not ready. 
or my partner never listens to me. I ask them to take out the trash and it's still here stinking up the kitchen. You get the idea. (laughs) Or another category of thoughts that can lead to turn off are thoughts about our own body. I think this is especially common for women. So we feel like, oh, I have gained weight or I don't feel like I look sexy or, you know, this part is bigger than it used to be or it's bigger than it quote unquote should be. It's very easy to get in your head about how your body looks, which can also lead to turn off. So anyway, the breaks can be thoughts and they can also be things you see, smell, feel, hear, taste, etc. Basically, the breaks are all the reasons you notice not to be turned on right now. And one thing that's very interesting and important about these breaks is that almost none of them have anything to do with sex, except sexual shame. And sexual shame is a whole other topic. I feel like if you are struggling with sexual sexual shame, definitely, definitely get in touch with a sex-positive therapist. That can be extremely helpful. So the breaks are often life stressors, like that overwhelm, that sense of just chaos and having too many things to do. And it isn't the case for everybody. Some people feel turned on when they feel stressed out. I I have a friend who's like this, like the more stressed out she is, the more she wants to have sex. But for many of us, and I think especially for women, the tendency is for that overwhelm and that chaos to lead to a feeling of turn off or to lead, lead to feeling shut down sexually. So we all have different breaks. We all have different accelerators. But for many women, the breaks are stronger than the accelerator. Again, there are exceptions, like I mentioned, you know, and the debate is out, like whether this is biology, like are women just less inherently sexual or whatever. I I personally don't think that's the case. I think women are socialized to put other people's needs above their own, including their sexual needs. So I think women, I think we're socialized from a young age to feel like we need to be the caretakers and the fixers and taking care of everyone and pushing our own needs down and aside. I see men doing that a lot less than women. And whether it's biological or whether it's socialization, it it doesn't really matter. I, I think that most of us would agree that that is the case that men are often able to tap into their sexuality even when they're stressed. Not all of them, of course, but often. Whereas women, often the sense of stress and overwhelm can get in the way of feeling sexy. So what do we do? The first thing is to kind of sort out what those breaks are and to figure out how to take care of them. So you can ask yourself some questions like, how much alone time am I getting? Especially if you're an introvert. If you're an extrovert, maybe it's like, how much time am I getting to socialize with my people that I love in a way that feels joyful and energizing? You can ask questions like, how much time am I setting aside to attend to my own needs? Whatever that is, reading a book, doing your nails, taking a bath, going for a run, you know, um, taking a class, whatever your needs are. How much time am I able to spend connecting with my partner or partners in a meaningful way? Not talking about what needs to be done this weekend or bills that need to be paid or how the kids are doing at school or whatever, but just you two connecting in a meaningful and intimate way. How much space are work, family, or household obligations taking up in my brain? Am I thinking about what my boss said? Am I thinking about all the things I have to do? Um, Another thing that can be big is do I feel at ease in my space? This is a big one for me. When my house is just like a mess and chaotic, I feel just a low level of stress and find it hard to focus on other things. Another one that's important is you can ask yourself, is there any underlying conflict with my partner or partners that needs attending to? I think you get the idea. This kind of question, basically like, what are my needs? What is causing me to feel overwhelmed? What is causing me to feel 
this stress or this sense of, I don't have room to attend to my sexuality. I'm not connected to this. What are, what are your own personal breaks? Once you've asked yourself these questions, see how you can start meeting your own non-sexual needs and getting your non-sexual needs met. For many of us, stress and overwhelm are total libido killers. And sometimes simply attending to these needs, simply getting rid of some of these breaks is enough to make you start feeling sexier, more into sex, more in your body to get that sense of sexy back, to let it start flowing in. And I know this isn't <laughs> this isn't like very sexy advice. This isn't like, well, you can take this pill or take this class or like, you know, do this sex position with your partner and you'll start start feeling sexy again. Like we often want to dive in with some like big quick fix, which I don't think there really is in this case for most of us. I think the reasons that that sexy starts to slip away are like multifaceted. But I think getting some of these breaks out of the way can be really, really helpful. Putting effort into this step can yield really big results in terms of reconnecting with your sexual self. So what does attending to these needs look like? So it might look like setting aside alone time every week. It might look like setting aside partner time every week that doesn't revolve around kids or household responsibilities or financial responsibilities, just time for you two to connect. It might look like initiating a conversation with your partner or partners to work out lingering conflict. And if that conflict is more entrenched or deeper, you might even need to enlist the help of a couple's therapist. Um, attending to these needs might look like asking for help, which I know is something that is so difficult for so many of us. And that makes me a little bit sad. <laughs> it's hard for me too. Um, we have this sense in our society that we have to be independent and do everything on our own and we have to be strong and we have to take care of all the things, which is like ridiculous. There's so many things the way we live today, like so many things to be taken care of. Like half, if you work for yourself, you're like, you're, you're like a content creator and the editor and a financial manager and a bookkeeper and a, you know, you're doing all the things. Or if you work for somebody else, like the scope of jobs has encroached so far into our lives. And then like just raising kids in and of itself is like a full-time job. And then you've got a household to manage and anyway, all the things. So asking for help and or paying for help can be really, really valuable. So whether that looks like asking your parents or a sibling or good friends to babysit or to help you out with some household chore or throwing a party to do lawn work or hiring somebody to help clean your house or do yard work or childcare, whatever that looks like for you, whatever makes sense, but asking for help or paying for help. And I know for some of us, those that can be really challenging, asking for help, paying for help. But I just want to say one thing about that, which is that some of us have in mind that that's like indulgent or, oh, I should just be able to do it all myself. But often when we do that, we kind of run ourselves ragged. And I think when you carve out spaces, whether it's asking for help, taking things off your plate, paying for help, and creating space to connect with yourself, to do things, to care for your own needs, it helps you be re-energized. It helps you be more of your full self, more of who you are, and show up more fully for all of those people that you care about, for your kids, for your partner, for your job, for your community, for your family, for yourself. So I don't think it's selfish at all. I honestly think in many cases, in most cases, it's the opposite of selfish to get the help and the care that you need to be your full, empowered, centered, joyful self so that you can show up better for all the people that you care about. Okay, I will get off my soapbox about that. <laughs> but 
what is my point here? My point is that it's so much easier to feel sexual when you don't feel like you're drowning in responsibilities and work. So figuring out what your breaks are and dealing with them can really help you feel more like a sexual being and connect with your turn on. So I challenge you to spend some time figuring out what your breaks are and finding ways to create more space for yourself. Okay. So that was kind of the top-down approach, the mind piece there. And now I want to move into talking about the bottom-up approach or the the body piece of all of this, because sex is about, like I said, is about your mind and your body, of course. So the first piece in the kind of body category is tuning into what are your accelerators. So we talked about breaks. We talked about getting those out of the way, how powerful that can be to liberating energy to be in touch with your sexual self. Now let's talk about the accelerators. So, and often, not always, but like often the accelerators are more physical things, like more sensual things, like I mentioned, like scent or taste or touch, or even a thought about a partner, like, oh, they're so sexy, or I love it when they do this, or oh, like those gray sweatpants, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So it can be visual, it can be scent, it can be taste, it can be smell, it can be a thought. So figuring out what your accelerators are. So you can journal on this. And I think it's useful to kind of like spend a moment, like whether it's just thinking about it or journaling about it, but to be conscious about what turns you on, to know what turns you on so that you can then draw on those, look for those. You can maybe even ask for those, incorporate those to help you get your turn on back. So you can think about past sexual experiences that were super pleasurable or super hot, or you can just make a list of things that you know you like. Like for example, just to give you some examples, for me, I'll give you some PG examples. (laughs) examples. For me, one thing that helps me feel turned on is having lots of time. I hate feeling rushed. Like that is an instant like turn on killer for me. So like having lots of time, good smells. I'm like a scent person. So somebody, the way somebody smells, that can be like so sexy to me. Another thing that's a turn on for me is my partner taking time, taking their time to touch my whole body, my neck, my hair, my face, my knees, like kind of the the non-erogenous zones for me to just feel relaxed and to just connect with that sense of touch. Another thing that's a turn on is firm touch. I like touch that tends to be more firm as opposed to like gentle or soft. Um, With visual stimuli on uh, people with short hair, a fresh haircut. Ooh, that one does it for me. I love to see a fresh haircut. (laughs) Also just like nice clothes, like somebody who like takes the time to like invest in their appearance and like takes care of themselves, like whatever their style is. If I can tell that you like put effort into it and you're feeling yourself, very sexy to me. And another thing is just feeling desired, like knowing through my partner's words or their actions or their touch that they desire me, like that turns me on. So for more on this concept and also more just on the the dual control model, I highly urge you to check out Emily Nagoski's work, um, especially Come As You Are. There's a lot on this in there. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will put a link for that in the show notes. So the first piece, the first body piece is figuring out in, in terms of figuring out what turns you on is to look at your accelerators, be conscious about that, make a list of that, know what that is so you can play with that, so you can incorporate that. The next piece is about knowing your own body. Remember that part about being responsible for your own turn on? <laughs> so that's also about like knowing what you and your own individual body like likes and doesn't like. And I find that many women don't know exactly what turns them on within their body, what kinds of touch, what kinds of position, what kinds of stimulation. So 
a very, very good way to figure out what turns you on, what kind of touch feels good, what feels good in your body if you don't know, is to experiment by yourself. Y'all, masturbation is so, so, so healthy. I need a sign here. I need to get up on the rooftops and scream this like, everybody needs to be masturbating. (laughs) Seriously though, masturbation is so, so good for you. Self-pleasure increases your sexual energy. It helps you stay in touch with that like sexual energy. It's good for your health, your physical health, your mental health. It helps you figure out what you do and don't like. It's like a stress reliever. It can help you get to sleep. It can relieve muscle pains. It can help relieve period cramps, like so, so, so many benefits to self-pleasure. So I want, I invite you to get in there <laughs> and start experimenting with self-pleasure. So you can try new positions, you can try different forms of touch, and you can try playing with toys. So I know I mentioned earlier that like toys are not the thing for bringing your sexy back. And for most people, in most cases, I don't think that they are, but (laughs) I think that they can be really helpful if that's something that sounds appealing to you. And for me, it didn't for many, many years. Like I was not interested in toys. I tried toys a couple of times, like in my 20s. I was like, not it. Do not like this. Um, But more recently, as part of my journey to like reclaim my sexual power, to reclaim my pleasure for myself, I have started playing with toys and they're pretty dope. (laughs) Also, toys have come a long way from where they used to be. You remember like Carrie on Sex in the City with like, or Samantha who had the rabbit vibrator? I don't know. I remember when rabbit vibrators came out and that was like the be all and all of sex toys. And they were so shitty, those first generation versions. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Um, As you're on this journey of self-exploration, experimenting with yourself, self-pleasure. If toys are appealing to you, definitely get out there and start looking at that and experimenting with that. So you can go to a local sex positive sex store. If you have any women owned sex stores, highly, highly recommend those. You can look online. There are so, so, so many toys now. And there is a woman, I don't know her name, but she has an amazing website called Fallow File Reviews, where she reviews sex toys like very thoroughly, like really nice tone. Like she's just great. Like she does so much work because all of our bodies are so different. So she kind of talks like this, talks about this might work for you if you're more into this and this won't work for you if you like that, or you like this kind of stimulation. So very, very, very thorough reviews on many of the sex toys that are on the market today. I have found several of my favorite sex toys through her. I will put a link to her site in the show notes. Okay. So second piece of the body approach to reconnecting with your sexuality is experimenting by yourself, self-pleasure, really getting in touch with what you like, what feels good physically. And then a third piece of this, because somebody asked for specific practices, is I want to give you a practice that has been life-changing for me. This is a 20-minute pleasure practice. You could probably do it in a shorter amount of time, but I feel like 20 minutes is good. This is a practice that I learned from my teacher, Anne Nguyen, and this one, I've learned a lot of practices from her, but this specific practice has been so, so, so transformative in connecting with my pleasure, figuring out what I like, and just being and staying in my sexual energy. So how does it work? You're going to need a few things. So it can be helpful to have a timer like on your phone or watch or whatever, like 20 minute timer, maybe 30 minute timer the first time. I like to have some sexy music. I have a playlist that I have created called Sex Magic that is just like tunes that I find very sexy, relaxing. 
Um, music is optional. But one thing I definitely would do is to create a safe, comfortable space. So whether you need to be home alone or not, um, a closed door, maybe some soft blankets, maybe be in your bed, whatever feels good to you. I like to light a candle. You don't have to do that. That's also optional. But like I said, I like good smells. (laughs) I also like to light the candle because it just kind of signifies that I'm in practice space. But definitely have a timer so you can create like a container for this practice, and then also a space that feels safe and comfortable to you. Add sexy music, add a candle, add sexy or comfortable clothes, whatever else you want to add on top of that. And then the first thing you want to do is kind of drop in, take a minute to take some deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth and let your body like really settle into the space, relax, release a little bit of tension. And then you're going to spend some time touching your whole body, like not necessarily sexual touch, but more like sensual touch. You can touch your hair, your face, your arms, your legs, your stomach, like your breasts, anywhere you want to touch and just really focus on the sensation. So the goal isn't necessarily to get aroused or to lean into turn on, but just to experience touch and what you like. Like you can play with firm touch and light touch and kind of brushing yourself. You can get a feather if you want to get a feather or like a satin scarf. Just spend some time just playing, figuring out what kinds of touch you like. You can spend like maybe five minutes doing that or so. And then in the next phase, as you touch yourself, and the touch can become more sexual if you want it to, but spend some time just kind of noting what you're feeling. And this piece is the part that was really transformational to me because in line with what I was talking about, about breaks and thoughts, it's so easy when we're trying either to self-pleasure or be with our partner to have intrusive thoughts come in, thoughts about like our body or thoughts about what we should be doing. So one thing this practice does is that it helps you learn to stay in the moment. And when you're narrating what you feel, it's very hard to think about other things. So you can do this out loud or you can do it in your head. But as you're touching yourself, you can be like, oh, I feel like firm touch on my arm or I feel fingers running through my hair or when I touch myself here, I can feel it tingle in my toes or whatever you feel. There's no right. There's no wrong. So just spend some time narrating to yourself what you're feeling because this will really help you stay in the moment and focus on that sensation, focus on that touch, stay in your body and stay in your senses. And then I want to call out here that there's no goal to this. There's no there's no goal to this beyond noticing what kind of touch you like and increasing your presence during touch, which will translate into increasing your presence during sex, whether that's sex with yourself or with a partner. So we're not like trying to get to a level a certain level of turn on, we're not trying to climax, we're not trying to feel X amount of sexy. Sometimes I do this practice and it's just 20 minutes of me like being comfy and just kind of like grubbing my, my feet or my face or whatever, because I'm not in a sexual mood that day. So I just want to highlight that we're really not like pushing towards any level of turn on, but simply aiming to experience pleasurable touch for 20 minutes. And another piece that's important about this is to try not to fantasize or to use porn. So I think fantasizing is great. I think porn can be great. Um, but the goal here is really to be in your body Noticing sensation in your body and fantasizing and or looking at porn can really take you out of that. So for this specific practice, I really urge you not to fantasize or to use porn um, or like listen to like 
erotica or read erotica or anything like that. And I know this can be really hard at first, especially if you're used to getting turned on through that, through something visual or through listening to something or through fantasizing in a certain way. So if it is, just know that that's normal, okay? And if it it feels frustrating, you can start by doing this practice for 10 minutes and it gets easier the more you do it. Just spending some time noticing what kind of touch you like and noticing what you feel and where. So you can do that kind of noting to yourself for, you know, maybe five more minutes, whatever feels good to you. Again, there's no right and wrong in this practice. And then you can move on in whatever way. Like if you get more turned on and you want to self-pleasure, like that's fine. But again, the goal is just like being your body, noticing the sensations and just being present to the touch that feels good. And the key thing here, I'm going to say it again because it's that important, is there is no goal beyond just noticing what you're feeling and experimenting. No goal. I mean it. (laughs) And this practice, I'm sharing this practice because it has made a huge, 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 huge impact in my ability to feel pleasure and to know what kind of touch I like and to get turned on, to do this practice on a regular basis. Um, You know, and I still do it sometimes is to, it's just, it's been transformational for me. So if you are somebody who maybe doesn't know exactly what kind of touch that they like, or even if you just want a way and a space to like drop into sensual pleasure and touch and just carve out space for yourself to just be in a relaxed space, a sensual space, to be have some time alone for yourself, this practice can be useful in so many ways. So if this calls to you, I invite you to practice this. And a small side note about this practice is that meditation is a great kind of auxiliary practice to do with this. So meditating even five or 10 minutes, it's basically the same practice without touch. So meditation is the practice of just noticing what you're feeling and what's going on and turning your attention back, just kind of letting the thoughts flow through. So getting more proficient in that skill of letting thoughts come up and flow through can help either when you're self-pleasuring or when you're having partnered sex and thoughts come up that take you out in the moment. So both this practice and meditation can help you get better at just releasing those thoughts and staying present. Okay, that was the third piece in the body category. And then the last thing I want to suggest I mean, there's lots of things that I could suggest, but I'm trying to keep it to like high level things that I think are fairly doable for people. The last thing in the kind of body category and getting in touch with what you like, getting in touch with your turn on is to take classes, take classes on different topics. This has also been really, really good for me. So I have a few recommendations of places to take classes. There is a great, uh, I believe it's women owned, it's definitely queer owned sex shop in Portland called Shebop. I will put a link to that in the show notes. And they have a really great roster of online classes on all sorts of topics. I've taken some of their classes and they've been very good. Um, My teacher, Anne Nguyen, teaches some classes. I will put links to those in the show notes. There's another organization led by two Black women called Afrosexology. It does center Black sexuality, but their classes are open to all. And they have also offered some really, really excellent high quality classes on different topics. You can also check out your local sex positive sex store. 
Um, there's lots of places to find in-person and online classes, but taking classes can be really great because first of all, you can take classes on everything under the sun, including solo sex, including like how to have better solo sex, how to make self-pleasure more more enjoyable, more exciting. The classes are really nice because it's a group environment. Like even if you're doing it online, it's just kind of nice to know that you're not alone. Like if you're a newbie at something or you want to learn about something to see how many other people are in that same position can be really validating. Another thing that's great about classes is that there is just so much information out there. There are so many really excellent sex educators out there who have so much information to share, whatever you're interested, from kink to queer sex to like how to spice up your sex life to even things like polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Like you can learn about anything you want to pretty much in the sexual realm. So that's another thing that's great. Classes can provide lots of new ideas and techniques. And maybe the best thing about classes is it just can feel really good to be in a sex positive space. So when you're trying to reconnect with that part of yourself, your sensuality, your sexuality, to be in a space with people who value that, who are also committed to that, it can be really empowering. Okay, so I'm going to stop here. There are so, so many things you can do to get back in touch with your sexual self. This is just a handful. Like I said, I'm trying to provide kind of like a high level list of things that I feel like are fairly doable and also things that have worked for me and for my clients. Okay. So I went over a lot. So as usual, I'm going to do a little recap (laughs) of what I talked about. I broke this down into kind of the mind piece of getting back in touch with your sexy and the body piece of getting back in touch with your sexy. So in the mind piece, we have, if you're suffering from depression, attend to that. There is no shame in that. You are not alone. Depression is treatable. Please care for yourself and seek out professional help with that. Number two, connect with the reasons you want to feel like a sexual being for you. Not for your partner, not because society says so, but all the reasons that this is important to you. Number three, take responsibility for your own pleasure. Own your turn on. It is so, 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 so powerful and liberating to be in charge of your own pleasure, of your own turn on. Number four, and this is a big one, is create a space to connect with yourself. Get rid of those breaks as much as you can. Figure out what your breaks are and do what you need to do to sweep them off the table as much as possible. That alone can be enough for some people to bring their sexy like roaring back, okay? So that is a really good one to spend some time on. And then within the body piece of getting back in touch with your sexy, getting back in touch with your sexual self, find your accelerators. Take some time, just like you're going to take some time to figure out what those breaks are and try to get rid of some of those. Find your accelerators and see how you can grow those. See how you can incorporate those. See how you can connect with those. Number two, self-pleasure. Experiment to figure out what feels good in your body. Doesn't matter what feels good to any other body. It matters what feels good to you and your body. And a good way to figure that out is through self-pleasure, through experimentation. See what you can figure out. Number three, I shared a little pleasure practice with you that has been transformational for me. If that calls to you, definitely give that a try and see how that feels. Number four, sign up for a class, be in a sex positive environment, learn new things, grow your skill, just kind of, and even just be thinking about sex and sexiness can heighten that within you. Okay, so I hope some of these resonate with you. I hope that this has been helpful. 
I want to remind you that pleasure is your birthright. And I absolutely want to see you getting your sexy out of the deep freeze. (laughs) It doesn't belong in there with the peas and the ice cubes, okay? It belongs in your body. It belongs inside you. It's something that makes you feel joyful and alive and lit up. I want that for every single one of you. So I hope this has been helpful. And of course, if you could use some support around any of this, around getting back in touch with your sexual self, tuning into your own needs and expressing your desires, growing your emotional and sexual confidence, creating the sort of relationship or relationships you know you deserve. This is exactly the kind of work I do with my clients and I would be honored to help you as well. So if you are interested in that, you can get in touch with me by DMing me on Instagram, sending me an email or scheduling a free coaching session with me. I will put links to all of those in the show notes. And I should also mention that I am going to be offering in the new year a program all about dating from a place of self-love. If you're interested in that, put yourself on the wait list and you will be notified as soon as registration is open. Okay, that is what I have for you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for being part of this community. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, if it has helped you in some way, if you'd like to support my work, the best way you can do that is to share the podcast with a friend, or if you prefer, share it on social media or rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your support is always so, so appreciated. I will be back soon with another episode for you, but until then, I hope you have a beautiful week and remember that you are perfect exactly as you are. 